Good afternoon. You guys still full from the turkey? Good afternoon. You guys doing well? Good, good. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, how many of you were able to get some Christmas shopping done over the weekend? Five people. <laughs> That's... Well, those of you who were able to get some shopping done, if you bought gifts for kids, I hope that at least some of those gifts were toys. Um, do any of you remember when your parents switched from giving you toys for gifts and started buying you clothes? I personally was devastated. So if you have kids in your life, whether nieces or nephews, grandkids or your own kids, give them toys until they have kids of their own. Then you can make the switch. But I, I want to tell you the story about when my aunt stopped giving me started giving me clothes and stopped giving me toys. If you ask my aunt, you would say I forced her hand, right? One year, my aunt gave me a ninja on a skateboard, and this was for Christmas. Now, this was pretty cool because my sister and I, we would play this game um, that we could basically recruit this ninja to be a part of. Um, the, I had a big collection of cars, so we would divide the cars into two teams, and we would draft them. So I would pick one, she would pick one, and we would then develop our teams in that way. And once we had our team, one by one, we would take turns flinging these cars down the hallway, trying to get the other person's cars to flip, um, to end up on its back or on its side. So if a car ended up on its back or on its side, it was, it was out. And whoever had the last car standing was the winner. So that, that was the goal of the game. But after a few times rolling the ninja on the skateboard down the hallway, we realized he was a terrible pick and nobody ever wanted him. And he was a terrible pick because he was too top heavy and he would fall over easily. So my sister had this brilliant idea. She said, let's chop off the ninja and keep the skateboard. <laughs> now, it was a brilliant idea until my aunt came over and saw her precious gift. I mean, she was hurt, and I could see it on her face. And um, she said, I would never again buy you toys. Never again. And seriously, I got clothes every year after that. <laughs> every year. Now, my, my aunt just has a great heart. And, you know, she couldn't just stop buying me clothes. This is the, the same aunt that at the age of 25, she would still send me a birthday card with $20 in it. Of course, the, the $20 was wrapped in aluminum foil, right? Because this is how you know you're ghetto when, when you come from a ghetto family. Because the, the, the aluminum foil is so that it goes undetected when it goes through the post office. <laughs> no one opens the card. So, But... Just a great heart. But let me, let, let me tell you, let me tell you why my aunt was so upset. And it's going to be the subject of our teaching today. She felt unappreciated. She took her time to pick out this gift and purchased it with her hard-earned money, thinking that her nephew would love it. Thinking that I would thank her and be overjoyed and, and all these things. But my actions, my response, the severing of the ninja communicated to her that I didn't care. I was being ungrateful. Have you ever had someone not respond to a gift the way you expected them to or the way you thought they should respond to it? It's not a good feeling. It's not right. 
we don't want we don't like when people do that to us and so we are in this found series this is the last week of the found series and ben has done an amazing job with the series and pretty much what we've been asking throughout this series is what if what we've been looking for our entire lives has actually been looking for us what if we could be found by the one who truly can meet the deepest needs in our hearts and so now the question that i want to explore today is what should be our response Once we are found, if God has found us, rescued us, what is our response to being found? The idea behind this found series is the gospel message. It is the gospel message communicated clearly. Here's the gospel message in a nutshell, and it could be boiled down at its very core to four main points. And if you're a note taker, this is really helpful to me. I I recommend you take this down. Four main points, the gospel boiled down this at its very core. God, sin, Jesus, faith. Four points. God, sin, Jesus, faith. God is the supreme being, right? Creator of heaven and earth. He's righteous, merciful, just, and loving. Everything hinges on him. And apart from him, there's only darkness. Sin, on the other hand, is what has separated us from God and kept us in darkness. It is innate in all of us because of the original sin of Adam. And because of it, we became spiritually dead. Now, Jesus... God in the flesh, the son of God, he was sent on a rescue mission to earth in order to redeem us from sin and to reconcile us back to God. And lastly, faith. Faith is is our response to what Jesus has done. It is an active belief in the life, cross, and resurrection of Jesus, which is sufficient enough, sufficient enough to ensure eternal life in heaven and to transform life here. Now, so four points God, sin, Jesus, faith. Point four is all you, point four is all me. The other three are set. There's nothing you can do to change God, sin, Jesus. That's set. God is supreme, right? We are lost and separated from Him because of sin, and and in Jesus, we are found because of Jesus, we are found. But the gospel doesn't end there. Your role, my role in the gospel narrative is faith. Responding in a proper way to what Christ has done for us. Again, I'm going to share with you three points. And this is a simplification. But here is how I like to break down our response to what Jesus has done. Three simple phrases that we can all remember and that we all know. Sorry, please, and thank you. You say sorry to God when you realize that the separation that exists between the two of you. This separation is not just because Adam sinned, right? It's because each and every single one of us has sinned and rebelled against God. So we say sorry. God, bring us back to you. Sorry is equivalent to repentance. It is a turning away from sin and turning towards God. It is exemplified through baptism. A change, a turning away, a new life. The second phrase, please. We say please when we come to God asking for something. God, please pour out your favor and wisdom upon my life. 
God, please give me your Holy Spirit, which you promised to those who ask for it. Please is exemplified in prayer and in in a dependence on his spirit. And lastly, we say thank you. We say thank you to God because our condition didn't remain the same, right? God made a way when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to bear the penalty of our sin. Thank you is just gratitude and worship to God for what he has done. So sorry, please, and thank you. With sorry, you are repenting. With please, you are trusting. And with thank you, you are praising. So the response that we are going to focus on today, being Thanksgiving weekend, is thank you. Showing gratitude to God. The question is, now that we are found, are we responding to God in the proper way? Are we responding to God in the proper way? The passage that we are going to read today displays Jesus' awesome grace and mercy. And he displays that grace and mercy to a group of ten lepers. And most of the miracles in the Bible focus on the healing itself and the glory that it brings to God. But not this one. This has less of an emphasis on the miracle and more of an emphasis on the response of those that were healed. So let's take a look. We're going to be in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. One of our volunteers will come around and hand you a Bible. Once you have a Bible and you're ready to go, please stand as we read God's word today. Luke chapter 17. Starting in verse 11, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. You may be seated. I pray that God's word will speak to us today. As I said... Most of the miracles in the Bible focus on the miracle itself and the glory it brings to God, but not this one. It's focusing on the response. So 10 lepers cried out for mercy, asking to be healed of a terrible skin disease, leprosy. And because if if anyone during those days had leprosy, they had to live apart from everyone else. They had to live in isolation in, uh, in order not to contaminate the other people. So Jesus sends them on their way to present themselves before the priests. And this is what was required so that they could re-engage with society. And as they were on their way, it says that they were cleansed. Each and every single one of them, all ten of the lepers were cleansed, healed. But only one of them decided to turn back to praise God and give thanks to Jesus. 
Jesus' reaction is interesting. While he acknowledges the man, right? He, he says a few words to the man. He says, your faith has made you well. He doesn't do that until the end. He first seems to be perplexed at what just has, has occurred. And he asks three rhetorical questions. And as we know, a rhetorical question is used to make a point, not to elicit an answer. And he, and he asked, in fact, it says he answered, in, in your Bibles you will see it says, he answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Thanksgiving is more than just an American holiday that we celebrate at the end of November. It's more than just picking out, right? Um, how many of you guys had some good food on Thursday? Right? I heard one comedian say about the Thanksgiving meal that the meal is not over when I'm full. The meal is over when I hate myself. <laughs> How many of you guys were hating yourself on Thursday? We have come to associate Thanksgiving with food and shopping. But it is more than that. Thanksgiving is a common theme found throughout the Bible. Throughout. Here's what a commentary says about Thanksgiving. When one surveys the scripture to see what we are called to be grateful for, an interesting point emerges. The Bible simply calls on us to thank God. The Bible simply calls on us to thank God. No specific reason is cited. It is a fill-in-the-blank exercise. An exercise in reflection on how God has been good recently. So how has God been good recently? Listen, when we are not thankful, when we don't have that attitude of, of thanksgiving, of gratefulness, I believe that we are the ones that truly miss out. It's not just that we are robbing God of what belongs to him. We become deficient. Here, here are three markers that I notice about myself and others when we are not thankful. Number one, there's a lack of joy. There's a lack of joy when we're not grateful. Number two, there's constant dissatisfaction, which leads to constant complaining. And the third one, there's an inability to celebrate small wins in the midst of difficult circumstances. You can't celebrate, and you're always constantly looking for the next thing that will do it for you, that will satisfy you, that will bring relief. That's us. So we become these joyless complainers looking for the next big thing. I don't want to live like that. I know you don't want to live like that. I want to live like the Samaritan leper that when God comes through in a big way that I can raise my hands, that I can raise my voice and cry out to God and say, thank you, God, and praise him and lift him up. And even when he doesn't come through in a big way, even when I don't see with my own eyes how he is involved, I want to live according to 1 Thessalonians 5.18. This is a verse, if you have kids, this is one of the verses that the kids were going through this month. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it reads, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Notice it says, give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. I don't have this masochist view that um, we're supposed to be thankful for all the terrible and, and difficult things that we go through. That, that's not what I'm, I'm trying to, to present here. But I do believe it is God's will, God's purpose for us to find the silver lining in difficult situations. 
for us not to dwell on the evil, but to connect with the good. The perspective that is presented in the Bible that we see throughout the Bible is this. It's going to be on the screen. Look for the sun. Do not dwell on the clouds. Look for the sun. Do not dwell on the clouds. Perhaps if we responded to God and other people in this way, life would be brighter. My aunt, whom I mentioned to you at the beginning, some years later, um, after the story I told you, her body just began to deteriorate. Um, In her 40s, she was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy and with arthritis all over the place. And so in addition to the pain and discomfort that these things bring, as the years went on, she was unable to accomplish the simplest task, from reaching for a cup in the kitchen cabinets to putting on a shirt without assistance. She was unable to do those things. So she went from being a hardworking woman, a homemaker taking care of the house, to needing 24 hours of care. And my, my hero, I mean, my absolute hero throughout this whole ordeal has been my uncle. He stepped in to care for her. He took over responsibilities for cooking, cleaning, taking her to all her doctor appointments, bathing her, dressing her, putting on her deodorant. I mean, the simplest things. And all, he did it all with a smile, with a smile on his face. He's, he's, he's a really big jokester. And, and, um, and knowing how difficult this has been on my aunt, he told me one day, he's like, my goal every day is just to make her laugh. My goal every day is just to make her laugh. And if anyone, if anyone has a reason to be bitter and to complain, it would be my aunt, uncle in my eyes. They, it would be acceptable, I would say. But yet, recently, he had the audacity to tell me that he loves her more today than, than he did than before she got sick. He didn't allow the clouds to distract him. He is just so thankful to still have her and to be able to take care of her and to serve her. Listen, there's a lot that each and every single one of us can complain about. But don't let those things distract you from truly focusing on what we can be so thankful for, for all that God has done for us, for all that the people around us do for us. Distractions. Distractions keep you from being a grateful, thankful person. The second thing that keeps us from being a grateful person is when we reverse our roles with God. We, begin, we can easily misunderstand our relationship to God and our relationship with God. And I need you to follow me here because I, I, I believe the writer of this, this gospel, Luke, does something really interesting. And I think it brings home a clear point. Before Luke tells the story about the ten lepers, he inserts a little teaching from Jesus. And in the teaching, it highlights an aspect that exists in the relationship between master and servant. Okay, let's take a look at it. Verses 7 through 10. It's going to be on the screen as well. 
Verse 7, will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and recline at my table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink? And afterward, you will eat and drink. You guys following along? He's, he's, he's teaching. He's telling them, will any of you who has a servant and they come in from the field say, hey, go, you, you can go ahead and eat and drink. No, no, no. He says, before you eat and drink, you got to serve me. You got to feed me. You got to dress properly. Okay. That's the relationship between master and servant. And he continues in verse nine. Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? Another rhetorical question. Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? No. So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. Okay. All right. Remember what we are dealing with here. Okay. We are dealing with what is the proper response, right? When we are found by God and when we recognize his activity in our lives. Keep that in mind. So in this story, the master makes a request. The request is prepare supper for me, dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink. Then Jesus in verse 9, again, he asks the question, the rhetorical question. Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? He definitely does not thank the servant. Now, the point he's trying to make is a thank you in most instances would be appropriate, but not in this one. This, is gonna, this seems simple, but follow me. Here's the flow of things. The master makes a request. The servant complies and does what he is supposed to. So a thank you is not necessary. Now let's go back to our our original passage, to the ten lepers. In verse 13, when the lepers raised their voice and cried out to Jesus, how did they refer to him? Master. They said, Jesus, Master, Master, have mercy on us. At that point, they were saying, we are your servants and you are our master. Now, typically, a servant would never make a request to his master. So they are saying, Jesus, this is not your duty. You are not responsible for this. You're not required to do anything. But will you show us favor and kindness? As we already know, Jesus sends them to the priests, and they are cleansed on the way. They are healed on the way. And at that point, when Jesus complies with their request, what is the only appropriate response? I would argue. The only appropriate response is thanksgiving and praise. Thanksgiving and praise. Because the master has just done something for the servant, not the other way around. But yet there is no thank you. Only from one. That is why Jesus is so perplexed. Only one guy out of the ten returns and responds properly. And this is a side note. I, I didn't share this in the first service. It, it, it's, it's, it's interesting how Jesus says, now he was a Samaritan at the end. He was a Samaritan. You know, it's, it's, it's funny the people that come to God. I'm the least likely person to be standing up here. I didn't, I didn't come from a Christian home. I, didn't, I, I um, had very little interaction with the church. I, I grew up in a rough neighborhood and just far from God in every way possible. But man, when God grabbed a, hold, grabbed a hold of me, when he found me, I was the loudest person. I was the one raising my hands. I was the one lifting up my voice. 
because I was thankful for what God had done. And people will shock you. The people you least expect will be the ones raising their hands, will be the ones praising God, the Samaritan. So don't count anyone out. Don't count anyone out. Your brother, your father, your family. We serve a good God. Only one turned around and responded properly. The other nine, with their lack of response, who found a thank you to be unnecessary, here's what they did. They elevated themselves to the position of master. And they relegated Jesus to the position of servant. By not saying thank you, that is exactly what they did. They put themselves in a position of master because a master doesn't have to say thank you to his servant. So now they are master, Jesus is servant. So who is master? You or Jesus? And I believe the simple indicator that would give us the answer to that question is, are you saying thank you to God? Are you praising God for what he's doing in your life? Is that a common theme, a common reoccurrence? I don't know about you. You may get this right all of the time, but I am notorious for withholding praise and thanksgiving to my God, who's been so good and generous to me. The honest truth, it's easy to look to God simply as a means to an end and not as the end itself. But when we do that, when I do that, in that situation, I am on the throne and he is not. And he is the only one that belongs on the throne. When I'm only after things and not him, I have misunderstood our relationship. And I don't give God the appropriate response that he deserves. So what is your response to Jesus who has found you and poured out his love, mercy, and grace? Are you indifferent? I think, think about the other nine. They had to be excited, right? You know, they were crying out at one point. They had to be excited. They probably went to their families, got back to work, did whatever they had to do. But towards God, they were indifferent. proclamation made throughout the Bible is that God is worthy. God is worthy of our, our praise. God is worthy of our thanksgiving. So God has pursued you. He has found you and he's been good. Keep those things ever before you. Always on your mind. I'm going to close with this and this is just some application for you. Thanksgiving for me, I believe it's like a muscle. The more you work on it, the more you will reap the benefits. If you choose to be grateful rather than be indifferent, you will find that joy will return, you will complain less, and it becomes easier to find a silver lining in difficult circumstances. So here are two proactive things that you can do. Number one, you can express gratitude daily. So here's what you should do. This is what I recommend. Deliberately choose to write or say thank you and express appreciation to three people every day. Three people every day. 
Some of you got three people. Man, that, that can get old quick. It doesn't get old to the person you're expressing it to. It does not get old to them. The second thing I think you can do is you can journal every day. Write one thing you are thankful to God about. It can be about something that happened, um, or it could be about a person in your life. Something that happened that day or the day before. Now, if you choose to write about a situation or a circumstance, make sure that it benefits others, not just you. I think in order to be truly thankful, truly, truly uh, grateful, it, it, there can't be self-centeredness or, or just, it can't be all about you. It has to be about others, how it impacts the whole. Try this out for a week. Humor me and try it out for a week. Give thanks to three people and journal every day about one thing you're thankful to God about. And tell me if it doesn't make a difference in your relationships between you and God and between you and others. And tell me if it doesn't make a difference with how you view circumstances and people in your life. It will truly make a difference. You know, this, this message is usually a message you hear the Sunday before Thanksgiving. But I think it comes at a better time because I, I believe that we should aim not to allow Thanksgiving to be something we observe once a year, but for it to be a lifestyle, that, a way we live. So that, that's my challenge for us today. Let's be more thankful to God and others for what they do in our lives. Let's pray. God, I must say, we are thankful we are thankful to you for what you have done in our lives. We are thankful for your son, Jesus Christ, for the sacrifice that was made, for rescuing us, Lord. And I pray, God, that if this is a struggle for us, if we're not grateful enough, if we're, we're not thankful enough to you and to others in our lives, I pray that we will make it a goal to be intentional, to show gratitude every day to you and to others. And I pray that you will restore in our lives joy, that you will restore in our, our lives peace, um, that when we come to church, Lord, that we will truly come with this being the primary attitude of thanksgiving unto you for what you have done, Lord. And I just pray that you will give us the strength and the ability to accomplish these things, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.